check the tape. I'm Arya Atari. It is May 22nd. Uh, you'll probably hear this on May 23rd. I think this is like our 30th episode of the Check the Tape podcast. So, uh, pretty big milestone. Or maybe last one was 30, and I just didn't know that. But, anyways, uh, back from his hiatus, even though there's no football on, Brian Principe is back joining us to talk basketball. His probably least favorite of the four professional <laughs> sports, but he's here nonetheless. What's up, man? Oh, man, I'm glad to be back. You know, not only am I here to talk basketball, but big time uh, TV news going on, too. So I'll, I'll throw in my two cents about basketball uh, how I can. But uh, I'm glad to be back. It's been uh, it's been far too long. I just never understood how you got into Game of Thrones when you hate Star Wars and all the Marvel movies. And I, I just don't get it. I was hooked. I, mean, I, I started binging it last year, right? I, I binged all of it, and then I got I got into it. You know, there, and we've talked about this before with Game of Thrones. We could talk more about it later on. There's, it's far more than just you know your classic, um, you know, knights and dragons. You know, there's there's politics, there's backstabbing. It, there's there was so much more into Game of Thrones than family that, drama. Uh, right, right, right. So I think that's yeah. what that was what was appealing to those who didn't typically find those that genre of television or movies or whatever you have you uh appealing that's why it was so appealing to me but when there's the people like me who actually love fantasy elements and stuff like i watch lord of the rings harry potter all of that stuff uh that that really like was my kind of show so so remember when i called you a twitter person yeah, yeah, you did so, call me a Twitter person. So I didn't uh, know if so, that was a compliment or an insult, but I took it as a compliment. Well, good. I'm glad you took it as a compliment. So now are you calling yourself a fantasy person? Is that your deal? Uh, but I've always been one. Yeah, I've always been one. So you, would you classify yourself more as a Twitter person or a fantasy person? Uh, a Twitter person who enjoy. Who, I don't know. I was no, trying to make no, no, no. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. I was trying to like be clever there, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, I, I'll tell you what, I'm a basketball person though. And that's, and yeah. we're going to talk about the NBA. So let's start off. So we're going to do the conference finals. And then I wonder, I really want to talk about magic and I'm more excited to talk about magic than probably the conference finals. So we'll save that for the end and we'll save thrones for the end. So we'll talk about the conference finals. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with the, let's start with the Bucks Raptors. Let's just like get our way to the stuff we want to talk about more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so Bucks Raptors, it's funny because this is the series still going on. It's tied two two, but we're saying that this is like the one we want to talk about at least, but you know, it's still exciting. Uh, so it's two, two Raptors won last night. It was the bench game. Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet all had big contributions. Kyle Lowry had a good game. Kawhi didn't have his best game and he looked hobbled. Milwaukee, nobody really got it going for them other than Middleton. Giannis had a big game. They had like 25 points, but it didn't seem like he was in control and being able to score when he wanted. Uh, so I just gave like a little summary there. But for you, what's your big takeaway coming out of that game? Not just from that game, but for the, how this series is going to shake out. Well, I think uh, most of the people that were watching this game and most of the people that have been watching the Bucks throughout the entire season – they were a team that a lot of people were very quick to say that they were a great defensive team, right? That that was one of their strengths yeah. was their defense. Last night, the defense was bad. That was that's a huge concern going forward for the Bucks because all the talking heads were saying that clearly the Bucks were the tougher team that Golden State would have to face going forward. If they play defense like they did last night, Golden State's gonna walk all over Milwaukee. Uh, in next round of the finals. So that was my big takeaway was the ability of Toronto to score on Milwaukee, who had been heralded as a top defensive team and deservingly so, because when they play their lockdown defense, they are one of the top defensive teams yep. in the NBA. With that being said, though, they looked very porous last night. And as you mentioned, the bench scoring for Toronto was really the, the difference in that in that game. So you mentioned the defense, and you know Eric Bledsoe today made first team, first all defensive team, or whatever it is. Um, if you watched that game and you had never watched <laughs> even a second of basketball before, and I told you that guy was one of the five best defenders in the league, 
Yeah, you laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his defense actually wasn't as hard. It's more his offense that's the problem. And Milwaukee, you know, George Hill came in for Bledsoe, like, very early in the game. Bledsoe's not been giving them anything. George, and, the, you know, they've given Bledsoe now this big contract extension that I really think they wish they could take back. They gave him an extension and haven't extended Middleton, who's a free agent this mm-hmm. um, summer. Brogdon was one for ten. He wasn't anything special. George Hill... Brogdon and George Hill had good games in game three when the double overtime game that resulted in the loss for Milwaukee, but they weren't able to get anything going. It seems like both of these teams, they just don't have enough guys who you can rely on. So Golden State, you know you can rely on Steph, Durant, Clay, and obviously Golden State's the best team in the league, but that's kind of the problem with the huge disparity with Golden State and these other teams, and we'll get to the Warriors later. I just don't feel like Milwaukee and Toronto, either of these teams are this well-rounded team that have a bunch of guys they can rely on. I think Milwaukee's going to win this series, but it's just going to be one of these things where the role players, the bench players are just going to play better at home, and that's what's going to let them win the series because they got the I, home court advantage. Well, I was going to say, and, and you kind of alluded to this with your last point with the home court advantage, who do you think this game five is more important to? Because conventional wisdom would say Milwaukee because then they lose. They have to go to Toronto for game six. But at the same time, Toronto knows they have to go back to Milwaukee for game seven if they lose this one coming up tomorrow. So it's tomorrow's game is is clearly the turning point of the series because there's a lot at stake. For both teams mentally, not even just the, the the dauntingness of going forward and playing on the road in Game 7 for Toronto, but at the same time for Milwaukee, they know that, all right, our back's against the wall in a place we haven't been able to win yep. uh, in this series come Game 6. You mean six. for Toronto? You mean for Toronto? Oh, for no, Milwaukee. For Milwaukee, I conversely, okay. I, think that, I think that both teams, a lot of pressure on both teams. Usually the pressure would be on the home team in this game. And you would say the away team has, you know, they're playing with house money. They're going back home for the next one. That's when they'll be under the most pressure. But I truly think more pressure is under Toronto in this game coming up tomorrow in Milwaukee because game seven on the road is not going to be the ideal situation for that Toronto team. And the other thing that um, strengthens your point there is, you know, Kawhi is banged up. He's hobbled. And you yeah. don't want, and if you're Toronto, you don't want this series to go on longer. Like the longer the series goes on with a banged up Kawhi, I mean, he's going to play through it. He's not going to sit out. He's still going to be good. But like, not only does that, could that hurt your chances later on in this series? Like if you get to a game seven on the road and Kawhi just played these two other games, it also hurts your chances for the finals. You want, you know, one of the things that about these conference finals that I've noticed is it's every other day. And there's usually like an extra rest day somewhere in these, like before games two and three, when they have the initial travel, right? Right. There hasn't been any of that this postseason with either of the two conference finals. It's just been every other day. And I think that's really had an effect. It's kind of led to some of these lousy shooting on the road, uh, hobbled players, um, it's, it's definitely had an effect. And I think for Toronto, like you want to get this over with quickly. Now they're still going to have to play a six game series no matter what, but I don't know. It's just, I just really think it's going to come down to home court and Milwaukee is going to, their role players are going to hit their shots. Can, like, you know how with the playoffs, we change our narrative every day. It's always like, Oh, this guy's the best player. Now he's the best player. Steph Curry sucks. Now Steph Curry's great. Like, right now, what's the biggest narrative coming out of this series? That Eric Bledsoe sucks? Yeah, right? That's, mean, like the, that's the guy we're all bashing? Yeah. Not to mention, two games ago, we were all saying, Marcus Gasol sucks. Pascal Siakam sucks. And now it's Bledsoe sucks. And Siakam didn't even have a good game four. But now it's Bledsoe sucks. Game five at home, I think Bledsoe will have a big one. Well, but it was Lopez, too, in the beginning of the series. That was, well, no, he, he, had was... The, he had the big game one. Right, that was that's what I was saying. He was the big he was the big player in game 1 early in the series and now that's not the case anymore. That's that's the that's the beauty of the playoffs though is that there's a new narrative every every game. It's that's... the beauty but it's also like the negative cuz I kind of hate it. Like we can't just change our opinions every other night. You know what I mean? But that, but every game is different though. That's that's the that's what's so in any sport for for the playoffs. You see the same thing in baseball all the time. The where Bledsoe is like for him, using him as the example, 
He's not consistent. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, he could go out and have a big game five and Milwaukee wins and takes a 3-2 lead, but that doesn't change my opinion on Bledsoe. He's a wildly inconsistent player. I don't think he deserved that contract. And yeah, he can give you those moments, but he's more often than not going to just come up flat for you. Well, this was, and this is, this is way down the line too, but this was something that you had mentioned to me uh, probably about four or five, maybe even six months ago, was that Milwaukee had huge decisions to make for their free agents and like you said, they've committed to Bledsoe, and now they have to decide on what they're going to do with their other role players. Clearly, this team cannot. Giannis can't conduce only so much, right? He's not. He's not a LeBron James yet, right? He he can't. He can't completely take over a team oh. and and bring them to the finals and win the finals Definitely. by himself. He can't do that right now. Maybe maybe two, three, four years down the line, it's a different story. But he needs these role players. And it's very – this is going to be a, a, a very interesting time for Milwaukee because as good as they are, they're also in a bit of a transitional period with their decision-making and who they bring back and who they let walk. And if they make the wrong decisions here, that this could be very short-lived for the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I did write that article a while ago. But at the time, before they – signed Bledsoe to the extension. Five of their top six guys were free agents. Bledsoe, Brogdon, who was restricted, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and Miritich. And now they obviously signed Bledsoe to the extension. But yeah, they got big decisions with Lopez, Miritich, Middleton, the biggest, uh, and Malcolm Brogdon. Because so, how, many, how many max contracts can they give out? Well, one more? You're not going to max all of these guys. I mean, right. Middleton, you wouldn't, you're not going to max any of these guys. The One of their benefits is Giannis doesn't make as much as he should. He's only making like $25 million a year. And I know that's like, oh, only 25 But like, if you're a player of his caliber, you're at least making 35 You know what I mean? Yeah. So this series to me is just going to come down to the home court because I think all these role players are very shaky and, you know, the old cliche. But it's is it a cliche if it's true, though? I mean, or is that is is that why I don't know? But the role players do play better at home. There's less nerves. There's you're just more comfortable at home. It's the playoffs, and both these teams. Toronto's a little bit more experienced, but it's kind of a new Toronto team. You know what I mean? Right. With Kawhi and Danny Green there, Marcus Saul. Well, they're so, better. They're a better team than they, they are. One of the other things is these both of these teams in the finals, like. I don't feel confident like either has like that solid number two. You know, Cleveland all those years had LeBron and Kyrie or, Le- or Miami, LeBron and Wade. And you look at this Golden State team or OKC at Durant and Westbrook. I just feel like from a talent perspective, the East has gotten, or not the East, but like these two teams just aren't, I don't want to say they're not talented because obviously they are, but they're not at like that elite level we came to expect from our finals contenders, if that well, makes sense. Well, I think you, you, you hit it right on the head with the inconsistency factor because Kyle Lowry is also very inconsistent in big moments. And so right? is Middleton. Right. Who, so so yeah. these, these, these guys that, that you would consider you know, maybe 1A or 2 on, on the totem pole of, of these individual teams yeah. are not – you don't you don't know what you're necessarily going to expect out of these guys on a nightly basis. Kawhi, you you know what you're going to get out of him, and and that's been almost a given. Thirty points has almost been a given for him every night in the, in the playoffs. Um, so what's your prediction, man? It's I think it comes down to this game tomorrow. I really do, do because if Milwaukee does not win, just just answer the question. I'm I'm going to go with the Raptors. I am. In in how many? In six. In six. I I like Bucks in seven. So so do you actually? Think... You know what? You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna go Bucks in seven. I had the Raptors winning the East to start the before the playoffs started. I thought they were gonna win the East, and then like before this series, I think I said on the podcast I did with Stan how I thought that Milwaukee was just better team. I like the home court, and I'm still sticking with it. I just think the home court's gonna be the thing that matters. Yeah, that's fair. So, so you think you think that the Bucks will win Game Five and Seven? Yeah. Okay. So, okay, moving on. The other conference finals, Golden State just swept Portland without Kevin Durant, and that's all anyone's talking about. Do they need Durant? Do they need Durant? Are they better without him? Are they better? Without... There's the stat that they're 31 and one without him, and like since they got him, 
uh, which is kind of crazy, to be honest. And oh, and now people are saying Steph Curry is much more valuable than the Warriors. I don't think that was ever in doubt. It was just no. Durant's a more versatile, overall better player, and you could do more with Durant than you could with Curry. But Curry was kind of the engine that made the thing go, right? Well, when Durant's on the floor, too, there's almost you almost feel an obligation to go through him on offense, too. He's the best one-on-one player in the game. Right, so that takes away looks and takes away the offensive approach for Steph Curry. Yeah. When when Curry gets back into his offensive approach, he's probably one of the most dominant players when they go through that that style of offense, right? So they they have changed the way that they've looked over the last couple of years. And, and it's made them more exciting like without yeah. Durant, like they're more fun to watch. Well, they're, they're, they're the, the old warriors. They're the yeah. old warriors. That's they're what sharing they are. the ball. Draymond's pushing, which by the way, he's been well, that, And that's something Durant I wanted to talk now. about too, is that for me, Draymond green, at, he is as good as emotional as he is. And I don't know if that necessarily just made sense, but he feeds off of his own emotions when he plays. Uh, and I think that's quite clear. He's I don't like, think I'm, he's literally the new KG. Yeah, that's that's fair to say that, that without without the without the ability of Garnett. Well, no, they're but, not the same player, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but but I see I see the direction you're going in. When when Durant and Boogie and and everyone's healthy, there's no chip on his shoulder. There, there's there they feel as though that they're going to go out every night and win, and I everyone think invincible, and everyone feels that way. Yeah. The second that there was any sort of doubt. That there was, oh, they're going to lose to the Rockets now. The Rockets should be the favorite in these games on the road. The Rockets should beat them. Everything changed because he and the rest of the Warriors, but tip it, but just specifically Draymond Green, they got that chip on their shoulder back. They got that edge to them. And he, when he plays to that edge, he is a completely different player and a dominant player in his role. And when he is able to open up the offense, and, and be swarming on defense, and his pick and rolls are right there, and Curry can come off and 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 execute his offense. This team, yes, you could you can make the argument that they look better, that their offense looks better. I don't think that they're a better team without Durant, but I think the offense, the offense that, that they play suits their other players a little bit better than yeah. when Durant is on the floor. Yeah, and the other thing, you, you made the point how everyone was doubting them. Houston's going to win. Uh, Portland can give them a run and they, you know, they haven't lost since that Durant injury. It's almost like they were insulted. Like yeah, we won that, yeah. a, we won a championship in 2015 with this core, Curry, Clay, Draymond, Iguodala, Livingston, Steve Kerr is our head coach. We won a title with this core. We won, we set the NBA record for most regular season wins. And we came to like the final couple minutes in the game seven in the NBA finals against the greatest player of the generation um, and we did lose that, but you know, they could have very easily been back-to-back champs with that record. Like, why are we acting like this team is nothing without Durant? Well, and, and that's that, whether you want to believe it or not, that's that bulletin board material yeah. sort of, you know, mentality. Right. And I, and I and do, do you... think that, I do think that they're a team that would, would definitely put that on the bulletin board between Steve Kerr, his mentality, green, um, and and all you need is 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 Curry to just completely change his offense back to the way they were back in 2015, right? When when they were that team that they were running this same style, it's very reminiscent of of how they played when they were the Curry led Warriors. They're they're a tum- they're a completely different team. It's it's you're not watching so, the same team. So with. Portland, even without Durant, I just thought they were a more talented team. I think everybody kind of thought they were going to beat them. Houston was the one that we had our doubts. You know, once Durant went out, we're like, oh, well, this is going to be a wrap. Curry's been having a bad game. Harden is going to take over. It's his time. And when they, I don't want to say they choked it, but Harden didn't even take a sh- took like one shot that yeah. entire fourth quarter in game five. And then game six, Golden State was just able to get the better of them. It was just and Curry had the bad three quarters once again. It was almost like I don't know. I kind of thought Houston was going to take it, was going to win that series. My question for you is that, and and we can go back to the Houston series if you want, but I'm more interested in in your thoughts on this when it comes to the Portland series. What changes, and and you know basketball better than most people that I I know. What changes for Golden State in the third quarter when they're down seventeen? in game two, three, and four, 
to erase a double-digit lead at the half, double-digit deficit, rather, at the half, and to go on and win all three of those games. I think it was just Dray- uh, really Draymond. I mean, I think he was, like, the big thing for them. Just on defense, grabbing the ball, pushing it down. Uh, they're not the, And the main thing was, you know, a lot of they were up 2-0 in those first, after winning the first two games. A lot of teams, when they're on the road and they go down a bunch, they kind of fold. And Golden State was like, no, let's let's end this. We're better than them. Let's just come back, you know? It's, yeah. it's like, it's not an uncommon thing in sports with the great teams that go down and always come back. You know, the Patriots have done it. Um, who else has done it? Alabama's done it in college football, obviously, a bunch of times. It's not an uncommon thing. And that was, uh, I'm just showing their great historical team that we'll be talking about forever. Five straight finals for them. That's yeah. impressive, right? How about, Steve, team? how about Steve Kerr? How many finals has he been in since what, like 92? Yeah. Well, five straight finals, only team to have made five straight finals besides the Boston Celtics, unless you want to count LeBron as his own team. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could if you want. Yeah. To. <laughs> um, so that's impressive. My question is, and this is, I want to phrase this in a different way, because everybody's saying, can they win the title without Kevin Durant? Forget that question, okay? Of course because, they can. <laughs> yeah, they can. Yeah. He's, I mean, I'm not saying they will, but they easily could. I mean, they right. have the talent. Now, if Kevin Durant comes back, they're going to win the title. Like this, we've known, we knew this in September. So that's not the, those aren't interesting questions. Here's the interesting question. What if they won the, if they win the title without Durant, what does that mean from him? And, you know, we can talk about the Chris Broussard thing, how he was saying it would be like a nightmare for Durant. And you saw that little thing, how they went back and forth. Yep. And Durant said, you don't even have my number. (laughs) He's so he's so so sensitive, man. He just anything. This is a guy that that's he's so edgy. Or yeah. is that not the right word? He's I don't jaded. Even know what the right word jaded. Is. That's, is that that's a, is that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good way to. to he and he, he's he's got thin skin too. Thin you know what I mean? Skin, uh, yeah, he's like that guy who you're friends with. Like, like let's say like we're hanging around with a bunch of guys, and you say, "Dude, why did you?" Leave the door open. You're such an idiot. The bugs just came in. And then the guy freaks out. Don't call me an idiot, man. Don't call me yeah. a freaking idiot. You don't even know me. You don't know what I went through this week. That's that's Kevin Durant. Yeah. Dude, why did you leave been. why did you leave the lights on your car all night? You're an idiot. Don't the call battery. me an idiot. I, the battery died. An idiot. I've been through a lot. You don't know what I've been through. Like all right, man. Well, I think I think this all this means is that Kevin Durant is so gone. It's not even funny. I mean, What's like he's win. They win without him. Okay. Is he like? Do they even care about him anymore? Like, no, they shouldn't. Like when we, I'm not even saying like after this year, like 15 years in the future. You know, when we see these teams doing reunions, whenever Durant's there, it's just gonna be awkward. Like, are they just gonna <laughs> pretend he he wasn't? Oh, remember we had him well, for those two years. It'll it'll uh, also depend on if he wins another title again. That'll be that'll make a big big factor into how he's perceived in Golden State because if he doesn't win another title, he's going to claim Golden State as his as his home team. Maybe he'll just do OKC because he'll be disowned. But then I don't even know. Like it all kind of comes back to that thing with Draymond back in what was it October November? You know when they had the argument. Yep. And it came out like we don't need we don't need you or you're leaving. You're not even part of this. Like it real. Aminosity, amnosity. Oh my God, I can't speak. Um, you know what I meant. Animosity. A- animosity. Yeah. So it can- it really comes back to that, and you know the Warriors have taken this personally. They've been insulted that everyone's saying they can't do it without Durant. It just doesn't. And you know, it's always been Curry's team, no matter the fact that Durant won the two Finals MVPs. It just seems like he's not really, he's never really been part of the core, like beloved, like the other guys have, you know? Well, I mean, the, the thing sense because no, like, that completely makes sense. Yeah, they already had won a title and they beat him. It was just well, like and Curry. Curry's been a lifelong warrior and same thing with green and same thing with Thompson. And right. th- these are, these are guys that have, they've played their entire careers there and have been very successful there in, in a very successful franchise. So how bad does legacy hurt if they win this? I think it's like really bad though. Cause it's, you know, it just proves what everyone said is like, you didn't earn your titles. You took the easy way out. 
you went to the 73 win team, even though he was really good those two playoffs. I don't think he cares. I really don't think he will care. He cares. Obviously, he doesn't, or does he? I mean, he seems to care about what everyone says. I mean, all he wanted was his rings, so I, I think he's very content. Well, I'm talking about, like, for us as, like, for example, let's look at Dirk's career, okay? He has that one ring with Dallas. And if Golden State wins the title this year without Durant, if he doesn't come back because of his injury, and I think that injury is like, he was supposed to, he was supposed to be back in like a week, and now they're like, oh, it's actually worse, and who knows what's going on there? Well, right? they were they were saying that that boogie might come back before Durant. Yeah. So let's not speculate with that injury. We're not doctors, but with Dirk, like you know, he had that one title that he really had to give it his all for. He beat Miami, the team that beat him five years before beat the Thunder team that was up and coming with Durant and Westbrook, beat the two-time defending champion Lakers. Like, the teams he went through, the trials and tribulations he went through with that team, it felt like a really earned title, and he cemented his legacy. But Durant, if this Warriors team wins the championship without him, we're going to look at his two rings um, that he won with the Warriors with his finals MVPs with even less respect that we might already look at now. Yeah. You're right. I I think what's even more interesting is what's the reaction going to be if they don't win and Durant doesn't play? Well, then it's just going to, well, could that be a thing where he comes back? Like you guys, that's what I'm I'm saying. Right. Because now we're talking, you know, we're, we're singing their praises and we've talked about this earlier. This stuff changes like that. You know what I mean? Because how many, what it's been a week and a half, two weeks ago that everyone was questioning how Curry was playing, right? He he struggled a little bit against against the Rockets yeah, in that Brady series was the at that time, right? Right, and and now the next week, we're at the the narrative is this guy is incredible. We this is this is vintage Curry. This is when he won MVP. This is what we're seeing now. Who? What if? What if they fall flat on their face? In, in in the finals against Toronto or or Milwaukee, that's going to be the next thing. That that to me is more juicy, right? Because ev- we know what the narrative will be if if the Warriors are to win without Durant. It, yeah. That that's that's easy. That's an easy one to predict. Yeah, I like this. I like this uh, this little thing you brought up. Right. It, the the one that that would be more juicy and more appealing to me, and the one that would really get conversation going is. Well, they weren't able to win without Durant. What's what does that mean for 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 the the rest of the Warriors' legacy? Do they need to have Durant? Will they be more willing to go after him and uh, for next year? Or would he be more willing to return? Like they'd be like, "Hey, right. man, we need you. We, yeah, like, we need you. <laughs> like you're like you're part of us." And you know, everything's going great right now. They got the nine days before the finals, but these things can change quick. The other thing with that is, you know what it would remind me of. It would remind me of, you know, we don't talk about, we don't, uh, you know, we try to diminish Durant's rings and act like they don't matter. But LeBron's rings in Miami are fine, even though he joined the team. And I think part of that is, and I'm not trying to devalue LeBron's rings or anybody's rings, really, but it's just kind of what's been said. But I think part of the reason the fans, and you could, you know, because the fans don't really respect Durant's rings, a lot of them. But with LeBron, you know, they lost that first year with Dallas. Right. And it made everybody think, okay, maybe it isn't as easy. Maybe he wasn't just going to win it. And then when he beat OKC, beat the Spurs the next year, then it really felt like these were earned. So if Golden State actually loses to the to the Bucks or the Raptors or whoever they play without Durant, they're, well, we might look at this and say, hey, man, this is actually tough. You know, like yeah. the it might they might have a lot of good players, but. They did need Kevin Durant for these championships. He was an important part, and he deserves the credit he played. We might not liked how he got to this team, but that doesn't diminish the fact that he won these two titles. So I don't know. There's no way he's gonna like gonna be out and want Golden State to win the championship. There's just no way, right? No, I, I there's no way. <laughs> there's no I think way. he comes back though. Like, there's no way he's not coming back either. I don't know. I don't. I disagree. I disagree with you. I don't. I don't know if he's if he's back. I really don't. So you, all right. We said they could win the title without him, real quick, and let's not explain it or anything. Do you think they will if he doesn't come back, still win yes. the title? Yes, I do. I I think that, and without. Oh, going, I said no it, explaining. I, real quick though, I like their style of offense without him on the floor than with him on the floor because I think that they're forcing him through their offense, and that is not that's not the way that Curry and 
and the rest of those guys want to play. If Iguodala's banged up too. What's that? If Iguodala's banged up too. I don't think that changes anything because because those you still have that core three. And then Looney, too, has been very good for them, uh, which has been a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, so is McKinney. Yeah. So, I mean, that they, they're going to win regardless, I think, no matter what happens. I think if, it's 50-50 if, without him. Really? Yeah, I think it's 50-50 without him. Now, what if, what if they get Boogie back and not Durant? Boogie's, Boogie's irrelevant. Boogie's actually, like, I think makes them worse. I, I And I see I, – I, tend to agree with you on that one is I don't think it makes him worse, but I don't think he no, nearly has the, I don't think he, he nearly has the impact. I genuinely think he makes them worse. He gets the ball. He takes up people's shots. He's a train wreck, like with his complaining and blah, blah, blah. Like they weren't going to be able to play him in that Houston series. I think he genuinely makes them worse and it might be better for them if he just doesn't come back. And if I'm Steve Kerr, I might just bench him. If he, even if he does, maybe, maybe Kerr will tell him to take a dive. Fake yeah. injury. <laughs> All right. So here's the fun part. Magic Johnson. Speaking of taking a dive. <laughs> or, I don't know. Does that even does that even make sense? Sort of. Sort it's of. In the, it's in the same. Yeah. Metaphorical dive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not even. I don't even know. Taking um, a bullet, maybe? Well, dived out of his role as president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers and went on first take. Uh, would you say it's your favorite show, first take, now that Game of Thrones is over? My favorite show. Um, I'm a big fan of Get Up. Get up. You can't say Get Up unless it's like unless you say Get Up. I told you how I watched it the other day, and Mike you Greenberg did. actually said Get Up with us tomorrow morning. <laughs> I was like, yes. He had he embraced it. Good for him. So, magic goes on first take, just bashes Rob Palenka. Calling him a backstabber, saying he was trying to like undermine him with Genie or the organization or whatever. But at the same time, Magic's saying all this stuff about how, oh, well, Genie knew I was going to be like part time and all my other businesses I make more money off of. So I couldn't devote all my time into this. I'm like, Magic, that's the point. Maybe he was undermining you because you weren't giving your full time. Like you weren't going to Europe to scout the next Yusuf Nurkic. You weren't, uh, you weren't giving it your all magic. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, maybe the way he did it wasn't the best. And, you know, with these stuff, you don't always know what's true, what's not. But for me, it was just completely ludicrous that Magic was complaining about somebody questioning his work ethic when he was working part-time. Well, and I, I see it the other way, is that they agreed to hire him basically working part-time. So why is Palinka complaining about it? Stupid idea, though. Well, that's that's not on Magic. That's and, on the Lakers. That's on Genie, and Genie's been an awful owner. Like, what has... You know, we talk about sports franchises when there's the owner who's the father, who's self-made, rich guy, and then once, you know, he passes away and the team goes to his kids, it, it starts to crumble. We've seen it with the Yankees, Right. Right. Seen it. I mean, the Yankees haven't crumbled, I'd say, but they haven't been. They're not the same team with Steinbrenner. I mean, they didn't get one of those big free agents this summer and or this off season. And a lot of people say, "Oh, well, George Steinbrenner was still was still there. They would have gotten Harper. They would have gotten Machado." We've seen it with the Knicks. I mean, Dolan, legacy kid, he's been horrendous. And I think we're going to see it with some of these upcoming teams: the Dallas Cowboys, my beloved Patriots. I think it's possible. We've, we've seen this happen, and Genie's no different. You know what I mean? Well, and the Suns are going are gonna to eventually get involved, too. The Suns? What are you talking about? No, the the, the Genie Bus's Suns. Like, where no, they... Phoenix no, not, not, not the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, no, no. The, the Bus the bus. Yeah, but stick with Magic. The part-time thing made no sense. Did you see how he, was, he, he had the quote about how he had to, like, give up going to the movies on Sunday with <laughs> yeah. his wife? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> He was so I while it sounds ridiculous what the, the things that he said this they agreed to it it's not like they said no you can't do this and then he and then he went on and did all those things that they said you can't do they were like yeah, you're, yeah we're fine with that work part time should have been and I thought this is how it was and apparently not it was magic's the face 
He's the face of this operation. He's going to be like the recruitment guy. Like he's going to go have the meeting with LeBron James at his house. He's going to be the the closer. As he's, I think he actually called himself the closer. But Palenka is going to be the day-to-day. He's going to manage the operations. He's going to be one doing scouting. He's going to be the one like signing our players to our mid-level exception. And everybody was cool with that because it's like we have – Magic, who's this beloved Laker. And then we have Palenka, who's this well-connected agent, Kobe's agent. So we have the connection with Kobe still. Great. But they still gave Matt, wanted Magic to have ultimate power. And that's not how that works. The guy who's like has the most power can't just be popping in and out. Oh, Magic's in the office today. Oh, Magic might go. Oh, Magic's not going scouting. Hey, Magic, are you coming to that meeting? No, you're going to go to a Dodgers game? Oh, okay. Well, we'll see you later, man. Like, that's not how it can go. Do you think he'd make a better owner? Well, he owns the Dodgers. They or he's like a part owner, and they just right. Make- no, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about like majority owner of the Lakers. I don't know. The, the being an owner, it's you only really have your only real job is to just like hire someone and empower them and let them and make sure you're hiring the right people. That you have to be able to do that, and you gotta and you don't want to be cheap like the Chicago Bulls, right? So, I don't know. It's just like a matter of will he identify the right guys? If he's an owner, I think he's going to like want to like involve himself in all the basketball decisions. So, no, I actually don't think he'd be a good owner. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and he's he's too much of a basketball mind to not input him into those uh, those situations where he wants to be involved with the well, basketball operations. He made you know he traded D'Angelo Russell, who's an All Star. Um, and you know, he did get Kuzma in return, but I don't see Kyle Kuzma be- becoming an all-star anytime soon, especially in the West. Yeah. He signed Contavious Caldwell Pope to that, what was it? $12 million contract. Then he signed all these other guys like Lance Stevenson, JaVel McGee, Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo. And then uh, how is that like a good fit? I mean, they really, it just made no sense. And people want to give him credit for, oh, well, you know, Magic signed LeBron. I don't know how much magic had to do with that. I kind of feel like LeBron was just coming there anyways. And the one thing about this whole magic thing that is kind is kind of shines some light on, and we are, we've kind of already known this, especially with the Lakers coaching process. They were on their third coach, and Jeannie's, Jeannie's just listening to so many people, and it's like, who has the say in this organization? We heard Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis, the business guy, Tim Harris, Polinka, Phil Jackson's involved. Jeannie has to get her two cents. Uh, maybe Kobe's saying something. or And you obviously, you obviously know LeBron, LeBron. Paul have their say. It's like, who's running the show here? Because if, if you believe that it's just Polinka 100% calling the shots, you're just that's just not true. I... I is it? I know. I know. Everyone loves to say that. Oh, LeBron has the most pull. I. I honestly believe he. He probably has some of the most pull with the Lakers at this point. No, I don't think he. LeBron, I don't think LeBron has much pull at all. I don't think anybody has much. I think everybody just is like. There's no. It's a dumpster fire. Yeah, it's just whoever Jeannie sees that day, she's gonna listen to. <laughs> I mean, the head coaching thing's crazy. How they wanted Monty. First off, I don't know why they why teams wanted Monty Williams so bad. This guy was pretty bad in new orleans and you know he's a nice guy he's been around the league i think he was on the spurs staff sixers people like him i get it but like we saw him in new orleans and he had one of the top players in davis and they were not that good so they wanted him he didn't want to come tyloo they didn't want to give him the five years which he apparently wanted which i actually agree with because tyloo people were saying oh well he's a championship coach but i'm like but come on um <laughs> so then they get Frank Vogel and they're doing the same thing with their head coaching that they're doing with the organization with you know how so many people in the organization are running it now with the head coach it's like Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd and it's a repeat of the magic Palinka thing how Palinkas might try and undercut magic we all know Jason Kidd is just the head coach in waiting that's yeah. what LeBron wanted who the hell wants Frank Vogel I actually don't understand yeah it was like LeBron wanted Kidd but Kurt Rambis and Phil Jackson and them wanted Vogel because they were close to hiring him when they were back with the Knicks because that situation with the Knicks ended so well. So we should definitely try and imitate that. Yeah. Um, it's just a whole – it's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. And I loved every minute of Magic on first take, I have to say. So what do you think Magic's doing right now? What do you think he's doing? 
Magic's tweeting. He's enjoying his life. He's tweeting. He has some salted popcorn, I think he said the other day. I don't know what he's watching tonight. And um, I'd love for Magic to start tweeting about Game of Thrones. Oh, he starts binging Game of Thrones. <laughs> In my opinion, the fire of that dragon is what really caused them to win that battle. Without that dragon, I don't know if they could have won. Oh my god. Magic, do you think did you see that Wall Street Journal thing? How it was like without Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andre oh, yeah, Godot, Raymond Green, the Warriors wouldn't have won a title. Do you no. think Magic wrote that piece? He might have. He, he, he was a he was a contributor. He was his op ed. <laughs> we should check the guy's name who wrote it. That might be uh Magic's pen name. <laughs> Irvin Johnson's op ed. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Magic. Uh but yeah, the whole situation's a mess. Magic on first take was great, and you know, as a Celtics fan, I'm just really enjoying the fact that uh, this this franchise is a mess because my own franchise uh, things haven't been really good. So at least I can always like point the finger at them. Yeah, you're always trying to bring it back to the Celtics. Yeah, well, I was gonna segue into Game of Thrones with the Magic tweets, but we will settle for not a natural segue and just do it anyways. Um, so Thrones, it's over. It's over. A uh, lot of uh, negative perception on the last two seasons. Do you agree with it? I, in a, in a, in a way I do, and in a way I don't. Um, I think that a lot of the negative reaction when it comes to... Oh, we should... Spoiler alert. Spoiler, spoiler alert, yes. Spoiler, if you haven't watched yet, first of all, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, secondly, this is a spoiler alert, if, if you haven't watched because we're going to probably go into everything. Yep. Uh, the negative reaction about the the coffee cup and the water bottle and Daenerys not being on the dragon during when, during the uh, burning of of King's Landing, that to me, I don't care about. Like, who uh, cares? She wasn't on it when it was flying at first and it turned out she was on it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, those are, to me, who cares that there's a, that there's a coffee cup sitting right. right there? I could really care less. The the writing to me, and and this has been kind of a buzzword, right? Everyone loves to like loves to think that they're the right, like they could be a writer, right? That yeah, they yeah. can that they can write a better Game of Thrones season eight. That they can that they can figure it out. Why can't these people? They character arcs, another buzzword. Like where are all these things coming from, right? But to me, I when when all was said and done, I sort of agreed with that because there were a lot of unexplained you know, things that had happened within oh, the season. I have a list of those, and I'm going to get to those. Yeah, and, and that bothered me. There, before I get to those, so, you know, the pacing was just incredibly quick, and everybody thought it was just flying by, which it was. And I think a lot of the issues could have just been fixed if they did two 10-episode uh, seasons for seven and eight, just like the previous six. I really think that would have fixed a lot of the pacing. And... You know, I don't like people complaining about, oh, they get to this from this place to this place so quick. Well, like, what do you want to do? Watch them travel if yeah. there's no point? But the thing is, you have to make it seem like time has actually elapsed. So with Cersei, I mean, she was just, you know, think about this. She told Jamie she was pregnant. And in all that time that happened from when she told Jamie, you know, John went to the north for that plant with uh, with Jorah and Tormund and the Hound and Barrack to get that white to show them in the dragon pit. Jamie rides and they all ride north again to fight the army of the dead. They all come back and she's just there with and then she's just there and not showing. And it's like, wasn't she pregnant? Like, isn't something supposed to happen? And then the funniest part was when Tyrion said that when she was standing on top of the gates and Euron's there and he's like, doesn't notice. Wait a second. She just said, well, she's pregnant with my child. How does he know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that was great that they just forget that. But it's just the pacing and timing were off. All of that said, I l loved how each character's thing ended for the at least for the starks because you know john never wanted a position of power it made sense he ended up back in the north in the real north with tormund and all those guys it made sense that sansa became the queen of the north it, it made sense it made sense that Arya was going to go do her own thing and she wasn't going to be strapped to the norms of westeros culture and she was just going to be her own person bran 
being <laughs> king to me actually makes sense, but I don't like I don't like how they got there. They should have like used Bran's powers and stuff for how he became king, but they never explained his powers. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that there were a, there was a lot that was unexplained. That it, I have a feeling that, like you said, if if it was a little bit, if they broke up the seasons or they or they added a season, that they would have been able to explain. But there was so much that was unexplained that it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Like we like. I don't know. Can he see the future? Can he not? And then why does he need a master of whispers if he can see everything um, for the small council in that scene when he, you know, when he came in and he's like, we right. don't have one of these. So why, why do you even need one brand? And they just did such a botched job with the thing with his powers like that. If you were going to make him take the throne, it should have been based off of this is like, he's got all this powers, but as a king, like as a king, you should inspire, right? Who is Bran inspiring? And they talk about, oh, well, he has a great story. Story, story yeah. tonight, people. Really, his story is better than uh, the boy who was raised as the bastard of Winterfell, who all his life thought he was a bastard, and then he joins the Night's Watch, gets elevated to their Lord Commander, gets killed, brought back to life, wins the North back from people who killed his family takes it over, is elevated a king in the north, uh, and turns out and then bends his knee to save his people and fights the army of the dead and figures out he's actually the true king, the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark, making him the rightful heir to the throne. Really? Bran's story's better? Bran gets pushed out of a window? I mean, I mean, any, how is, any how one is of their Bran... stories, any one of their stories is better than his. Yeah, just right? how is Bran's story better? How is Bran's story better? Well, I just think that they, they – here's the thing. Like you said, everyone else's, everyone else's character arc uh, completed the right way, right? So I, I feel as though they were just like, well, what are we going to do with Bran? Like, what are we going to do with him? Like, what's, they botched all the magic stuff. Right, right. Like, and, and to me, there was, there was a clear emphasis on the special effects – on the CGI, right? That was that was yep. the clear emphasis this season, and a lot, everything else was clearly overlooked. All of the other details that probably from seasons one through five, I would say, were right. the priority. This season, more so than any other season, clearly the the special effects and the and the shots and the the uh, composition, all these words that people love to throw yeah, yeah. out. Those are the ones that, because because visually it was an amazing season. If, if that's what you want with to take. you, this show was at its best when it was people in rooms talking. Yeah. So that stuff, I mean, yeah, some of the shots were incredible. The one of Danny coming off the dragon and the wings. You know, you know that one I'm talking about when she's on top yeah. of the steps. And incredible. and the one and the one the one that I always kind of draw myself back to is when the hound and the mountain are fighting and the dragon flies over them as all of the red keep is crumbling. Like all that stuff is amazing, but that's just little moments. You, you're not going to like 15 years from now, 10 years from now, we're not going to be saying, Oh, do you remember that shot of uh, the dragon's wings as Danny was walking up the steps? Like, no, you would, if there was a, if there was like a monumental moment, we would be talking about it. Like, just like you would talk about uh, like The Sopranos today, uh, moments in The Sopranos you would talk about or in a movie that you would say, remember that that moment, like that oh my god moment? I didn't feel as though there were that many oh my god moments when it came to this season. I mean, we clearly somebody had to kill Danny, right? That, that was clearly going to happen. Um, but do you feel like – I want to talk about her real quick too because do you feel like her arc was earned? Like this is the same – like. I felt like the writers were just picking and choosing stuff that happened to, like, make their point. Like, yeah, she did burn people and all of that stuff, and she did show elements of Mad Queen. But she also showed ele- she also showed elements that she's, like, this loving leader, compassionate, freed the slaves, um, the unstallied slaves, freed or not freed, uh, when, that, when her dragon killed the one farmer or whatever he was, his daughter... She locked the other two dragons up. She went that far. Like, they make, like, and then they just jumped all the way. Oh, well, now she's mad queen. Like, I think what happened was with George R. R. Martin and they had the meeting, he kind of told them how it was going to end, but they didn't really have the direction in which to go. You know what I mean? Like, how are we going to get there? And that's why I love how it ended. I love the ending. I just don't like how it ended. 
So how would you change it? I would have just, I think it really just could have all been fixed by making it each of these last two seasons, 10 episodes and uh, fixing all these pacing. And then we could get the Danny Mad Queen plot that's earned. We could get the uh, expansion on Bran's powers. We could, I don't yeah. Yeah, we could get more of a thing about the Night King. So, yeah, here's my list of things that are just, like, still bugging me, okay? I'm ready. John's resurrection. It was this big deal. He comes back to life, and he makes this big deal about, like, don't tell people about it. And then by this season, like, oh, yeah, everybody already knows. It's common knowledge. Like, this was supposed to be a big deal. He came back. He was part of this prophecies that was promised. We did away with that. This is kind of what I was saying earlier. The show just kind of gave up on all magic stuff. Um, him being Aegon Targaryen, uh, the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna, ended up not really mattering. All it really did was kind of like drive a little bit of a wedge between him and Daenerys. And obviously he realized they're related and didn't want to be with her anymore. But as far like, I, I find it funny how he's on, how during that dragon pit scene, no one even mentions, hey, well, you know he's the real king, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that just goes back to what I said. Writers picking and choosing what they want. I already talked about how Bran's powers, we still have no idea what they are, like, really, like, definitively. Like, I have a better understanding of whose powers than Bran's. And name me any person from any superhero movie that's confusing. I can tell you, I have a better plan, I have a better concept uh, what the Joker's plan was in the Dark Knight than Bran's powers. <laughs> That's uh, the Night King we talked about. Jamie's entire character arc went to waste. Yeah. I like the pacing. He gets with Brienne and in the same episode leaves her. Yeah. Like, that's no, we need build up for these things to matter. Like, the reason him getting with Brienne was so big was because there were seasons built up. And then when he leaves her in the same episode for Cersei, who we also spent seasons of building up him leaving her. That entire seventh season, or even before that, her becoming evil and blowing up the Septa Baylor, and then he just goes back to her. I hated Jamie's arc. I'm sorry how it ended was awful. Like, he just... Did he not forget Cersei tried to kill him? She sent Bronn to kill him. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, but I love her, and he has to go back. And then I talk about Daenerys' mad queen turn not being earned. She freed all these people. She was compassionate all of that and then when she gets there she's just once the bells are rung she just decides to lay waste to a city how does that make sense she's like they were loyal to cersei no they weren't they were loyal to robert they were loyal to your father they're just they don't have control these are common people just so freaking dumb a lot of it i would have rather the night king win the uh the battle of winterfell yeah i mean they you would have gotten you would have gotten more you would have gotten more. I don't. I don't know how it have all would have ended, but you would have gotten more of a story on him. You would have gotten more of a dynamic between him and Cersei because I always felt as though that she had. She just didn't. She was just in a mindset that, oh, we'll never have to worry about the Night King because he's not real. She was or right. she was right. Honestly, well, yeah, she was. She was. I mean, and but I would have liked to see that that dynamic. Yeah. I just feel like there were so many loose ends, so many things. Oh, how about that scene with Hodor in season six? You know that yeah. big emotional scene? Yeah. Well, what, does that, what does that matter now? What yeah. does that matter now? Well, we I, mean, I, I mean, I guess it, it, he saved, he saved uh, Bran. I yeah, guess. but like, you no, know, I'm talking about the actual magic element. of The show really just went away from all magic stuff is the point. I'm well, like I said, there was, there was an emphasis on... And I even think that this could be made for the case for last season too. The emphasis was on the CGI aspect and and the the wow aspect of their ability to spend all this money on special effects, not the storytelling. Right, because if you watch, I don't know if you've you've watched. They have like a behind the thrones I kind of series. The one after the episode when Danny laid waste to King's Landing. So they 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 go into very great detail about all of their you know their ability to make explosions happen and how they make the dragon happen. But it's never about their writing. It's never about the characters. One of them was about the writing and they, they're like, well, why Danny decide to like go burn the red key? They're like, well, she decided in that moment, everything that was taken away from her, from her family, she just broke bad in that moment. I'm like, but like, 
Who took it away from her? Robert? He's dead. He's been dead since season one. These yeah. people. These people, they didn't do anything. It was just, ugh. I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I, but the, the good part is I do like the end result for the characters. Do you agree on that point? Like, it actually makes sense where they all ended up, the four Starks, or even Cersei and Jamie ending up together. In some ways, does make sense. How we got there, I think, is dumb. Daenerys going Mad Queen, I have no problem with it, but how we got there. It's, it's the result, not the result. It's the... What led up to it that really I think the one that makes me most mad or actually there's, there's two is that is Bran and Jon Snow or Aegon Targaryen however you want to call him yeah that that first of all even if you want to keep it the way it is right that that Bran is going to be king and they're going to quote unquote banish Jon Snow to the wall as soon as the unsullied leave why is he not heading back right? oh yeah like, what about this? What about this perspective? Bran banished him, right? Bran, right. because of the deal, Bran's the new king. Hey, wait, wasn't the North just made an independent kingdom? Right. And where's Jon Snow from? Oh, the North. And who rules the North? Oh, his sister or his, you know, the adopted <laughs> sister or whatever you want to call it. Um, She can't just let him back in and she says there was no other way. There's nothing else I could do. Uh, Sansa, I think there was a lot more you could have do done. <laughs> And then, what about in the dragon pit scene? How Tyrion's in chains, and he just negotiates the whole thing. And the uh, you know they all go around, and they're like, "I, I, I" for Bran. And then Sansa negotiates the North. Nepotism at its finest, right there. Getting oh, yeah. the kingdom from your king brother. Yeah. Um, but these other nations, like or the Iron Islands, it was free, going to be free under Danny, but now they have to be a part of the Seven Kingdoms under Bran, or Dorne, who actually, I don't know if you know this, but the history is when Aegon conquered the Seven Kingdoms, Dorne held out the longest, and that's why they actually call themselves Prince of Dorne, because they still believe like they're independent in some ways, but Dorne, like the new, the unnamed new Prince of Dorne, he doesn't want the uh, independence. I mean, there clearly is going to be another war. Like, give it like what? Ten hours? Ten, ten, <laughs> ten years? Hours, ten years? Weeks? I mean, there's going to be a war in like five minutes. I mean, yeah, no, there's, there's no, no way, way this peace lasts. So, especially as was... soon as people start saying we have this idiot as our king, <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. This uninspiring, monotone fool. Screw him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think. Here's the here's the the way I right, I last kinda, point, we gotta go. This is, yeah this is this is this is the way I, I this is how I'll finish this out. This was clearly one of if not the most successful and the most exciting um, series of our generation and ever really. You can make that you can clearly yeah. make that argument. The the lead up and the anticipation and the um, all of the press it got for so many months years yeah. up into this season, it was never going to 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 live up to our expectations. And I think that we have to just appreciate what we got for so many years prior, for 10 years prior. I disagree on that because and, I think the Avengers Endgame had a lot of expectations and that actually did lead, uh, meet most people's, I believe. I just think, I really do think most of these problems would have been fixed if they just did 10 episodes each season. But if you think about it, most of these very successful uh, TV series, their last seasons are widely regarded as unsuccessful. Yeah, TV is different. I mean, the only season finale I think everyone unanimously agrees they loved was uh, Breaking Bad. That Yes, I agree. I agree. And the that, thing that... with Breaking Bad was, we knew from the start how this series was going to end. With oh, yeah. Death. Yeah. 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 I, I, but if you think about Sopranos. Oh, very... uh, Breaking, Bad, Breaking Bad spoiler as well. Break, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, and your boy Aaron Paul coming back. Uh, for uh, Westworld. Very, I am excited very exciting. About that. Very um, exciting. Thank you for not mentioning Lost and how that season finale came like. <laughs> that was I my was next so... one. It was it was Sopranos, Lost, and then Seinfeld. That was, was my Lost, victory. Lost, like, ruined me. I was so mad. I've never been more mad at how a show ended than Lost. You never watched Lost, so you don't really understand. No, no, but is Lost, is Lost your biggest heartbreak? I, that or the 07 Patriots. Or the, <laughs> <laughs> that or the 07 Patriots not winning that undefeated season. Wow. One or the other. Maybe the 2010 Celtics losing to Kobe. I hate Kobe. Um, Whatever. 
Uh, any final thoughts? I mean, I, I like I said, I, I I am disappointed in the way that the season was for the first. Whatever there were six episodes, so the first five episodes, I was still very optimistic. I liked yeah. some things that were happening, but once everything kind of finished up, I I sat there and I was I was I was disappointed, and and I'm trying to just think about the moments where I sat on my couch and I was like jaw wide open, couldn't believe what was happening, and that to me is what I'll take away from from Game of Thrones. All right, well. Like I said, I liked how it ended for the characters, just not how we got there. So, uh, you know, does the dog have any thoughts? I hear it barking over there. Oh yeah, he he uh, he's a new uh, he's a new Game of Thrones watcher, so he he yeah. was falling asleep during it. Well, you know, can't say I blame him, uh, <laughs> especially anytime uh, Brand spoke. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, hey man, happy to do and, it. Uh, I don't know if you'll be back on before the playoffs ends or maybe you'll just come back for football or whatever. But uh, whenever you're back, we'll talk to you then. See you Sounds later. Good. Take care.